This is The Two Sides of a Tortoise by Herman Melville. Opens up with a little poem here. Most ugly shapes and horrible aspects, such as Dame Nature self mote fear to see or shame, that ever should sell foul defects from her most cunning hand escaped be. All dreadful portraits of deformity, ne wonder if these do a man appall. For all that here at home we dreadful hold, be but as bugs to fear and babes withal, compared to the creatures in these isles in trawl. Fear not, for these same monsters are not there indeed, but are into these fearful shapes disguised, and lifting up a virtuous staff on by, then all that dreadful army fast can fly, into great Tithus' bosom where they hidden lie. In view of the description given, may one be gay upon the incantatas? Yes, that is, find one the gaiety and he will be gay. And indeed, sackcloth and ashes are as they are. The aisles are not, perhaps, unmitigated gloom. For while no spectator can deny their claims to a most solemn and superstitious consideration, no more than my firmest resolutions can decline to behold the spectred tortoise. When emergent from its shadowy recess, yet even the tortoise, dark and melancholy, as it is upon the back, still possesses a bright side." Its calipé, or breastplate, being sometimes a faint yellowish or golden tinge. Moreover, everyone knows that tortoises, as well as turtles, are of such a make that if you but put them on their backs, you thereby expose their bright sides without the possibility of them recovering themselves, and turning into view the other. But after you have done this, and because you have done this, you should not swear that the tortoise has no dark side. Enjoy the bright, keep it turned up perpetually if you can, but be honest and don't deny the black. Neither should he, who cannot turn the tortoise from its natural position, so as to hide the darker and expose his livelier aspect, like a great October pumpkin in the sun. For that cause declare the creature to be one total inky blot. The tortoise is both black and bright, but let us to particulars." <laughs> Some months before my first stepping ashore upon the group, my ship was cruising in its close vicinity. One noon we found ourselves off the south head of Ambermarle, and not far from the land. Partly by way of freak and partly by way of spying out so strange a country, a boat's crew was sent ashore, with orders to see all that they could and besides, bring back whatever tortoises they could conveniently transport." It was after sunset when the adventurers returned. I looked down over the ship's high side, as if looking down over the curb of a well, and dimly saw the damp boat deep in the sea, with some unwanted weight. Ropes were droped over, and presently three huge antedevillian-looking tortoises. After much straining, we were landed on the deck. They seemed hardly of the seed of the earth. We had been brought upon the waters for five long months, a period amply sufficient to make all things of the land were a fabulous hue to the dreamy mind. Had three Spanish custom house officers boarded us then, it is not unlikely that I should have curiously stared at them and felt of them and stroked them much as savages served civilized guests. 
but instead of three custom house offices, officers, behold these really wondrous tortoises, none of your schoolboy mud turtles, but black as widower's weeds, heavy as a chest of plate, with vast shells medallioned and orbed like shields, and dinted and blistered like shields, that have been breasted a battle. Shaggy, too, here and there, with dark green moss and slimy with the spray of the sea. These mystic creatures suddenly translated by night from unutterable solitudes to our peopled deck affected me in a manner not easy to unfold. They seemed newly crawled forth from beneath the foundations of the world. Yea, they seemed the identical tortoises whereon the Hindu plants this total sphere. With a lantern I inspected them more closely. Such worshipful venerableness of aspect. Such fury greenness mantling the rude peelings and healing the fissures of their shattered shells. I no more saw three tortoises. They expanded and became transfigured. I seemed to see three Roman colosseums in magnificent decay. Ye oldest inhabitants of this or any other isle, said I pray, give me the freedom of your three walled towns. The great feeling inspired by these creatures was that of age dateless indefinite endurance and in fact that any other creature can live and breathe as long as the tortoise of the incantadas i will not readily believe not to hint of their known capacity of sustaining life while going without food for an entire year consider that impregnable armor of their living male what other bodily being possesses such a citadel wherein to resist the assaults of time as, lantern in hand, I scraped among the moss and beheld the ancient scars of bruises received in many a sullen fall among the marly mountains of the isle, scars strangely widened, sullen, half-obliterated, and yet distorted like those sometimes found in the bark of the very hoary trees. I seemed an antiquity of a geologist, studying the bird tracks and ciphers upon the exhumed slates, trod by incredible creatures whose very ghosts are now defunct. As I lay in my hammock that night, overheard, I heard the slow, weary draggings of the three ponderous strangers along the encumbered deck. Their dumbness or their resolution was so great that they never went aside for any impediment. One ceased his movements altogether just before the mid-watch. At sunrise, I found him butted like a battering ram against the immovable foot of the foremast, and still striving tooth and nail to force the impossible passage. That these tortoises are the victims of penal or malignant or perhaps a downright diabolic enchanter seems in nothing more likely than in that strange infatuation of hopeless toil which so often possesses them. I have known them in their journeys, ramming themselves heroically against rocks, and long abide there nudging and wriggling and wedging in order to displace them, and so hold on their infixable path. Their crowning curse is their drudging impulse to straightforwardness in a belittered world. Meeting with no such hindrance as their companion did, the other tortoises fell foul, fell foul of small stumbling blocks, buckets, blocks, and coils of rigging, and at times in the act of crawling over them would slip with an astounding rattle to the deck. Listening to these draggings and concussions, I thought me of the haunt from which they came, an isle full of metallic ravines and gulches, sunk bottomlessly into the hearts of splintered mountains, and covered for many miles with inextricable thickets. I then pictured these three straightforward monsters, century after century, writhing through the shades grim as blacksmiths, crawling so slowly and ponderously that not only did toadstools fall of all fungus, 
things growed beneath their feet, but a sooty moss sprouted upon their backs. With them I lost myself in volcanic masses, brushed away endless boughs of rotting thickets, till finally in a dream I found myself sitting cross-legged upon the foremost, a brahmin similarly mounted upon either side, forming a tripod of foreheads which upheld the universal cope. Such was the wild nightmare begot by my first impression of the incantatus tortoise. But next evening, strange to say, I sat down with my shipmates and made a merry repast from tortoises. And over supper we helped convert the three mighty conclave shelves into three fanciful soup taurines and polished the three yellowish calipes into gorgeous salvers. That is, the both sides of a tortoise by Herman Melville. <laughs>